Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Hey, hey, that's me, the Conservative Hippie. I have a special show today. I've got a very special guest. Her name is Lindsay Neural, and she is an author, an entrepreneur, and a mother of six. We're going to be talking today about something that's very timely in our uh, our culture, I would say, and that is homeschooling. She wrote a book entitled Homeschool Hacks, How to Give Your Kid a Great Education Without Losing Your Job or Your Mind. I'm here with Lindsay Neural. Uh, that's spelt K N E R L. She can be found on Twitter at L Neural. Again, L K N E R L. That's her Twitter handle. And I'll have all the links to her book and her website in the show notes. Lindsay, are you there? Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm here. Thank you. I, I'm I'm excited about this topic, and it's actually personal to me because I have a very good friend who was a neighbor, and just recently, within the last couple of weeks, he chose to move his family from Washington State to Idaho. And the only reason he did this, Washington is an absolutely fantastic place to live, but he was very concerned about the education that his young daughters were going to receive in public schools in Washington. And, and that was the sole reason. He, he felt that uh, the, the libertarian mindset in Idaho, the conservative mindset, was a little stronger there, and he, and he wanted to move his family so that his girls had the best chance of education. And... So I see your your topic, the thing that you're passionate about, homeschooling, it's very pertinent today, especially, you know, forget about politics. In the days of COVID, I believe homeschooling doubled. The people that are deciding to homeschool doubled during COVID. What, what can you tell us about your journey and why you became passionate about homeschooling? Sure. Well, similar to your friend, um, we were in a situation when we were young and first married with young children where we were moving and putting a child in a school system that you don't know anything about. You don't know how long you're going to be there. You maybe feel like you don't have a lot of time with your family as it is because you're getting adjusted to a new environment. We felt like at the time we wanted to give homeschooling a try. My daughter, our oldest, was about five. And kind of at that age where we were doing the, the reading and the writing and trying to like do a real formal school thing. And we just took it day by day, year by year, um, not really setting out to like make it a mission or become the voice of anything. Um, and then she just graduated from a four-year private university uh, last month, actually, and is starting her first career job and had never been in the school system. So it worked. We're doing it with the rest of our children. And like a lot of people making it up as we go, but finding that the results are just far beyond what we could have ever imagined when we started. Wow, that's interesting. So you did it from the very beginning, and now it's not like you're right in the middle of this mission. You've actually gone—one child has gone all the way through, including going to college and getting her uh, her degree, her bachelor's, I would imagine. Mm-hmm, yes. 
that is just fascinating. Okay, so let me let me ask you a couple personal questions. Are you a religious person? I am a religious person. Yes. Are you Mormon? But I wouldn't. Uh, no, I am not. Actually, I am. I'm just a, a very non-denominational uh, Christian, probably Protestant. Um, we kind of with our travel, we aren't really connected to like a. a single church. Sure. Um, sure. but, but it, our faith is important and is integrated into, you know, the things that we want our kids to have access to educationally. And that's the neat thing about homeschooling, right? Is you can customize it to fit your particular lifestyle, your beliefs. The reason I asked that question, I didn't mean to get too personal, but there's no. a lot of myths that you dispel in, in your writing. I've, I've followed your, uh, Twitter page for a little while. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of big myths surrounding homeschool and I'll just tell you from from my experience when I was growing up is is the kids that were homeschooled were typically Mormon kids you know it was deeply religious families and you know those stigmas of the weird kids you know this or that what, what can you tell me about what you've learned from the myths that surround homeschooled kids because that's really ugly the way that these myths are portrayed. Right. Well, I always have to look at the source of the myths, and I've been in enough Twitter conversations now to kind of see where these things come from. And it's always someone who's never really had much involvement with a homeschool family. You know, maybe they've seen one in a movie or down the street, that one family that may have been a little different, even if their kids were in public school. And so those are always really poor examples to base an entire belief system on. But moving past those folks, um, I think we have this myth that homeschool means locked in the home. And certainly there are those families that are a little more protective and, and don't want to go out. Um, during COVID, everybody got to be that family. And yet, children manage to, you know, <laughs> make it through. I think that, you know, you ask a traditional, typical homeschool family, how much time do you spend at home? It is probably just a little bit more than, than what the typical public school family does. I mean, we, we go to sports, we have speech, we have homeschool proms, we have volunteerism. Many of our children are employed in high school, working at, at restaurants and um, senior homes and, and getting out into the world and, and learning about things and actively participating in much earlier stages of their life than a kid who maybe is stuck in a school building from eight to four. So I kind of look at that and say, are you really seeing this from a place of knowledge? Or are you just kind of parroting the concern that we had 20, 30 years ago when homeschooling really was maybe more of a we're at home with our books and the world isn't accepting us, so we're kind of just making do. Yeah, yeah, and and I think nowadays, especially in our modern society, I would imagine it varies from county to county, state to state, region to region, but if I'm not mistaken, homeschooled kids have a lot more access these days to, uh, let's say, uh, sports, high school sports. I think in my community, a uh, homeschooled kid can uh, actually participate in high school sports. So there are opportunities in the community, even the public school system community, for homeschooled kids. That's right. And in the states that don't, or if you're very rural like we are, um, you know, we have regional type organizations that get together 
like a volleyball uh, that plays the parochial schools. So a lot of times, you know, those parochial schools, they want to get their kids practicing more and engaging more. And so they'll come together with the homeschool community and kind of form their own um, like little tournaments and, and practice opportunities too. So there's some informal and kind of community-based activities going on as well that get really big and really involved and have national events. And I mean, it, it is on the large scale that you would see with, with your typical uh, public school experience. Another myth that you uh, dispel um, that I've seen out there is that you have to be rich to homeschool your child. Uh, you have to come from affluence and have um, some you know, money in the bank to afford it. W- what do you say to those people that think that it's more expensive to homeschool your child? That's one that really uh, personally makes me a little upset at because if anybody had nothing when we started, it would have been my husband and I. Um, you know, cutting wood to survive and, and, you know, having chickens. I mean, we were, we were just really barely, barely hanging on when we first um, were married. And, you know, a workbook from the dollar store is a dollar. Um, books from the library are free. And if you are willing to make that educational portion work, you can make it work for very little money. I think what people do is they conflate and confuse childcare with education. And if you're looking for a replacement for free childcare, that's an issue separate. And, you know, there are ways to get around that as well. But if you're basically saying, I can't educate because I can't afford to not work, that's not the same as it costs X amount of dollars to school. And so, you know, there are a lot of groups that work with parents to help come up with an arrangement where you do childcare trade-offs, or you can do school when you're not working, or you can work with a grandparent or a sibling or, you know, someone in your church to help make sure the children are taken care of while you can make an income. But that's, again, a kind of cost and just saying it costs 200 or 300 or $2,000 to buy materials for your child, because those numbers don't have to be any particular number unless you want them to. How old is your youngest child? He's seven. Seven. Okay. So we have uh, one child that recently graduated college, and then the youngest is seven, and everybody in between has been through the homeschooling process or is within the homeschooling process. Let me ask you this question. I'm a parent of three, and every in my in my limited experience compared to you, uh, each child is different. Um, would you ever consider uh, one child if, if they were, you know, just different? And they wanted to go to school. Is there an ability to hybrid, or do you just think for your family the homeschooling is the best way? Well, two answers to that because we did have our daughter who, for many years, said, "Mom, I want to go to school." And to parents who are kind of dealing with that, I would ask that they ask their child. What about school? Is it that you, um, oftentimes it's not anything that school offers that you can't get somewhere else. And so it's not really school that they're looking for. With my daughter, it was, she wanted, you know, some of the prom experiences. She wanted to play volleyball. Those were all things we could do um, without putting her in, in a situation that I felt wasn't good for her academically. Um, so that's something to make sure you really fully understand when your kid says, I want to go back. And the other thing is kids don't set the rules in our house. So (laughs) 
our kid can say, I might want to go to public school, but we have to sit down with them and say, okay, your individual, what individual learning plan can we put together for you? Personally, for us, we've seen such great results with homeschooling and comparing it to the numbers that are coming out from like the NAEP that tell us things like there are children, 30% of all fourth graders have had never to one science-related hands-on activity during their entire year in the classroom. How a fourth grader could have never worked with another child on a science project, talked about measurements, or figured out a way to solve a science problem during an entire year of sitting in a classroom tells me (laughs) that they don't need to be there. Um, We do a great job at home, even on my worst days. They're getting hands-on opportunities to collaborate and learn and grow. And for us, um, public schools just isn't going to be an option. Yeah. Now, are you a college-educated person? I went to college. I did not finish. My husband has two degrees. So when when you think one of the other factors when you're thinking about homeschooling, I would imagine is um, perhaps it's a daunting task for someone to think that they have to educate their child. And I would also imagine it's an entrepreneurial experience, meaning you have to problem solve and come up with alternative methods. For example, you just mentioned that what your daughter was really missing was the social aspects of high school, middle school, not the academic aspects. You found it easier to excel and even perform at a higher level than middle school, high school could provide. But it was those social interactions she was missing. So you, ha- you had to get entrepreneurial about that. Um, what, what, do you have any tips or um, what do you have to say about, about that, that, that it would require someone? Wh- what does it require from a parent who thinks they're going, they want to jump into this homeschooling adventure? Does it require intellect? Does it require problem-solving skills? Does it require all of the above? You know, it, it, it does require it, but I've yet to meet a parent that didn't already have it. Barring some very extreme situation where somebody just isn't a fit parent to begin with, Um, I think most parents have what it takes to be the administrator or the manager of their child's education. Um, Do I sit and teach my high school son chemistry? No. Uh, I enroll him in a camp or I have him take classes through a community college or buy an online course or I have them sit down and work through an AP course on Khan Academy. I don't need to have every bit of knowledge that I'm going to pass on to my child I want them to actually have much more of an education than I received. So I am not the the conduit, if you will, for the information. But I do need to be entrepreneurial, as you mentioned, able to kind of brainstorm and pull together the resources and research and figure out how do I get this information or this opportunity that's over here to my child that now is sitting at home or on the road or with me on a business trip and make sure that 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 opportunity meets with my child. Um, And I think every parent has that ability. If you've gotten your child to five years alive and healthy (laughs) and dealt with all the toddler, I mean, that is the hardest part of parenting, in my opinion. You have what it takes to go research a free online course for your child and say, 
hey, son, we're going to do this for a while. Let's sit down, look at it together, see how we feel about it, follow up, make sure they're answering the questions. If they have more, get them in touch with someone that can help. We all have that inside of us, I think. And so I don't believe that type of teaching um, is something that's out of any parent's grasp. Yeah. What What are some of the hidden factors that someone should consider if they're thinking about homeschooling, but they're not quite ready to leap off that cliff. I think about when you were, you know, you know, the parent of a five-year-old for the first time, and you decided to homeschool. It's very much like an entrepreneurial leap, where you have to take that step off that cliff without knowing if you have a parachute to open or not. And look at you—you're now raising your entire family that way, and uh, your oldest just graduated from college. What are some hidden factors? that someone who's thinking about taking this leap need to consider the pros and the cons? Sure. Well, um, homeschooling, and especially over the last year, has become a thriving business. Online education is a thriving business. And so parents are going to kind of be bombarded with these messages of things you have to buy and things you have to do, things you have to make, (laughs) things you have to join. Um, That is all not true. Uh, you do need to make sure that you're going to have the two to three, possibly even four hours for high school a day set aside for your child to be able to learn and a place for them to learn. Um, That can be the kitchen table or the couch or a corner of their room. And you need some materials Um, and you need a a small, not overly structured plan. But, But what we often get overwhelmed with is the, I have to buy this giant curriculum and plan out every detail of my day and let it like take over my life. It doesn't have to take over your life. It can kind of um, assimilate into your life and kind of become part of the fibers of what you're already doing. And that's a big adjustment. That's a big mind shift for parents who think of education as separate from parenting or separate from family. And so I would encourage them to think about what you're already doing that education can come alongside because if you're going to try to replicate what's happening at school at home, you're going to be frustrated and you'll you'll probably fail in a lot of areas. That's interesting. Um, do you, with your children, did you do you customize a curriculum for each child? Let's say. Um, the let's say one of them is more artistic, so you kind of gear tailor their education to their artistic, creative brain. Whereas maybe one um, is more analytical and into math, so you perhaps uh, have more small business courses or accounting courses. Is there customization for each child, or do you give them kind of the same um, uh, broad scoops? Um, we absolutely customize. Up to a certain age, you know, you're just kind of getting the basics down. I'd say about fourth, fifth grade. They kind of all go through the same math, history, language arts sort of thing. Um, But once they get to about fifth or sixth grade and they start coming to you excited about something they saw on YouTube or new kind of music that they learned about, or maybe a friend at a camp introduced them to speech and debate, you know, now you're thinking, okay, I need to find out what this is find out if there are opportunities for my child. And that's where that entrepreneurial spirit you were talking about really kicks in. And yeah, from about fifth grade up, 
you know, they're still basic, you know, they're going through the math in sequential order um, and they must take a position and they must take a civics and they must learn how to drive. But then there are all these hours in the day that aren't taken up by the administration of shuffling between classes and sitting on school buses and doing all that, that they can take. Um, my son just took a free online course with a college this week, um, virtual camp, learning about mining and explosives. And it was very, you know, chemistry, geology based. And it just really spoke to him. He's so excited about it. And those are the opportunities that you can seek and find and kind of inject into your child's world once they kind of express that they have a passion for something. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of uh, time. Um, what the two things that I've learned from from you explaining it is is you do have to kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit where you have to take charge of your family's learning, and two, you have to be managerial. You have to be able to weigh through all of the options that are being marketed and told to you that you have to take. You have to be managerial in the way that you uh, pass on some and seek out others. Um, it sounds like a lot of time. And you mentioned, you know, the one of the biggest struggles possibly for a working family, um, for somebody, you know, when you started out where you had to go and earn that income and you have to have the time to be the manager and the entrepreneur of your family education, you know, how daunting is this? Because uh, I would imagine that's that's the big abyss that somebody is staring at when they're thinking about homeschooling, is this time management and all the time that they perceive would have to go into the homeschooling adventure. It is a lot of time, and I'm not going to lie. And if you're somebody that doesn't want to spend time with your children, like the first thing you thought when school was going to open back up was, thank goodness, get this kid out of my house. Um, you may have a hard time adjusting to having your kid around all the time. But what we have found is there are so many things we're already doing in our day that simply by letting the child come along and watch that and kind of maybe actively participate in that, two things happen. They learn by doing and you build a relationship with your child. So yes, I may have to set aside 30 minutes to check my child's math homework if I don't use an online option. But when I go on a business trip to Washington, D.C., I can bring my son along with me. We can look at the National Archives. He can learn how to behave at a dinner party. He can learn proper etiquette going through TSA. And you've now just like equipped your kid with all of these real-world skills that honestly can be so much more valuable than maybe yet another um, round through the math facts that they already really knew very well, but they make you go through in school because everybody's going at the same pace. So you reclaim time in some areas that maybe you were wasting or misusing, and that helps make up for the other time that you kind of go, ugh, we got to do this again. I feel like we just did this. There's a give and a take, and I find it it just it works beautifully for our family. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Um, give me some hacks from your book. You wrote a whole book, 
homeschooling hacks, how to give your kid a great education without losing your job or your mind. I'm very curious about the social angles because, uh, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, so I totally dig everything you're laying down about the free courses and customizing the education, but there's always that social aspect. You know, I would imagine my son would be like your daughter. I want to do this. Why can't I go to school? Because they're really, what they're craving is being around other kids. So, you know, do you have a particular hack or advice when it comes to getting that social aspect of life? Well, it's not really so much a hack as it is just kind of a a mantra of how you live. Um, We don't separate out very much grown-up time and children time. And obviously being married, I do need to spend time alone with my husband once in a while. And we do need to go things that do things that are our own, you know, grown-up interests and things that are good for us to do as, as grown-ups. But we've started to really take an interest in what our children like to do and go along with them in that. So much like sports parents kind of end up being in that sports world and driving and sitting with other parents and going to tournaments and kind of making it their their world, you start to do that with your homeschooled child. And so you follow their lead. I can see no reason. Um, barring some severe illness where your child can't leave the house, which would be an issue with public school, where you couldn't just pick two, three activities a semester and just do them. I mean, the, the options are overwhelming. So if, if your child isn't getting social interaction or your child saying, I don't get to do things with friends, something's not going well um, in your family, <laughs> not necessarily homeschool, because there are just so many options right now. Even for us being very rural, um, just 20 minutes away, we have a three times a week park meetup. There's a co-op. There's library STEM class. There's Lego club. We have 4-H. We have church youth group. There's vacation Bible school. There's so many things already um, that you just, you have to take ownership of it because if your kid isn't getting socialized, that's on you as a parent And it's easy to fix, but you can't wait around for someone to fix it for you. Absolutely. You have to have that, uh, the gumption, the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit to go get it done. Uh, It's funny you mentioned... um you mentioned my life, basically, where we travel to soccer tournaments and see other parents and participate. That's it's. I call it my forced vacations, and the, they're they only you know there are a few weekends every once in a while, but they're forced vacations to go with my son on this soccer adventure. I also find it interesting um, the parallels. I I don't believe homeschooling would be for me. But you can see the benefits of it so much, um, and and I also see the challenges of public school, especially in this day and age in COVID, when my son is going to school and he's surrounded by pressures to get vaccinated, and it, it sparks all these conversations. And I really feel like the school for me and my life and my family really is to get him into this social atmosphere, and then my life partner and I, it's up to us to kind of manage his education and make sure he's talking and thinking critically and logically about these topics of life. Um, And so I can kind of see the benefits on both sides. It's uh, really—homeschooling isn't for everyone, is it? Um, But it certainly is for some, and we should respect everyone's 
um, the way that they want to manage their family. W- what type of people do you think uh, have a higher proclivity for homeschooling? Like, are, are there people out there that, that haven't even thought of it, but it's perfect for them? Is there a, a certain um, personality type? Like, I asked you in the beginning, you know, if you were Mormon, just because from my life experience, it was the Mormons that were doing all the homeschoolings in my young life, right? It's so much more popular now. Is there a certain type of person um, that this would be good for them? Yeah, I mean, you, you you keep saying entrepreneurial, and that's such a, a such a great term, and I'm so glad that you mentioned it because we can be entrepreneurial and in, in things other than business. But yeah, if you're a self starter, if you're somebody who you spend hours every day researching things you're excited about, if you're a planner, a dreamer, a risk taker, um, you just want something a little bit more, or you're slightly dissatisfied and you're okay with taking ownership, um, homeschooling is definitely for you. Some people do not want to take ownership, and I don't mean this negatively. It's just they're risk averse. Maybe they they don't feel um, they're at a place in their life where they can take on even another thing due to physical health or mental health or family dynamics, and that's okay. I'm not by any means telling everybody to pull their kid out of school. But if you feel dissatisfaction and you've been really good in other parts of your life and being able to problem solve and figure out what can work better, I don't see why your child's education should be off limits um, for that same approach. Yeah, that's it. It's interesting. I it it is. I say I'm an entrepreneur. I am fascinated by the entrepreneurial aspects of life, and it's and it does that libertarian. I'm also a libertarian, and so the the quest mm-hmm. for freedom and the quest to kind of live life on your own rules and go out there and problem solve and create your own platforms and and if you might consider a revenue stream or create your own platform of education, which we're talking about today. Um, it's it's what's wonderful about our country are, is all the options, and I think that some people might might turn away or mock some of these options, like we're talking about today, perhaps because of you put it in a very polite way, being risk averse, or you know maybe they just don't have the stones or the capabilities to do it, so they have to mock or diminish. Um, other people who are thriving within something that they created. How proud are you as a parent? You, you're you not at the beginning of this adventure. You're, you're right in the middle of it, but at the same time, you've already, you've already got one to the finish line and beyond. How proud are you of yourself back when you made that decision at, when you were struggling and had a five-year-old, your, your oldest child was five? How proud are you of those decisions that you made? Well, I feel good about it, but I don't know that pride is the word because like every other parent in the world, I worry that I'm still screwing up um, and I worry that I'm going to mess this up because there's no one to blame now but me, right? Yeah. Um, so that's still very real. Um, there's still that comparison trap and all the things families fall into. But I feel a sense of relief, um, I think, looking back because I, I see my my children, I see their unique you know, struggles and and abilities and gifts. And I see that the opportunities we had at the moment in time, I made those decisions, wouldn't have been a good fit. Um, Wonderful people working at the schools. It's not an indictment on on the people. Um, But the system and the structure was largely inflexible. 
And when I look at the things my children have gravitated to naturally that just don't exist um, in some of our schools, I have relief that I didn't prevent them from exploring that. Um, And I didn't know what I was doing. It's not like I sat down with any kind of manual and planned this out. It was every day moving one step forward, just like your business, just like any other personal growth. Um, And it was working for us. But I don't think that it's so much a proud, like, hey, look at me. My my kid made it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's more just like relief that we did what we did when we did it, even though people were saying weird things about us or assuming we, you know, with the myths, they were very strong. No one else in my family homeschooled, no one else in our community homeschooled. And that's hard when you're driving an hour to get your kid those opportunities and you're the only family. But it gives me such relief now to know my kids are thriving. And it was because we just, we took risks. That's great. What came first, the the entrepreneurial spirit, or did this decision to homeschool create the seeds for an entrepreneurial spirit? Because I know that you're an author, that's that's being an entrepreneur. You have a business with your husband, a consulting business with your husband, that's an entrepreneurial endeavor. What came first, the entrepreneurialism, or did the decision to educate your own children, did that put you into that mindset creating um, this business woman? I, I definitely think the the inclination to want to create and make and do better came before. Um, looking at my work history, I always wanted to be the manager. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to come up with new ways of doing things and systems that were largely inflexible, which created a lot of kind of conflict in some of the places that I worked. But in your home school, um, you are the system and you are the structure, and you're only as inflexible as kind of what the law and your your own morality and your own values um, put in place. So I feel like that was my heart and my husband's heart. And because we were doing this, then we could just kind of marry the two and the kids could come along on the business and the business could involve the, the education. And it, it, it's really hard to see where the lines are. They really blur. I mean, they are kind of just one in the same. Yeah. I think we just came up with the third thing. If we were thinking about the aunt, uh, what what does someone need if they're going to become a homeschool parent? You know, we talked about the entrepreneurial spirit. We talked about the management. I think there's there's another one in the fact that they they have to be able to take responsibility. So you you it's become a theme that you're talking about that that you are taking ownership and you are responsible and there's a weight to that. Um, and I definitely um, can sense that you take it very seriously. Um, so uh, entrepreneurial spirit, you have to be able to manage, and you have to take be able to take the weight of responsibility. There's three things we've come up with in this conversation that someone would need if they're going to homeschool their child. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because you talk about, you know, your libertarianism and the, the kind of that, I think there's an independent spirit with, you know, you can only keep what you're willing to take care of and what you're willing to, you know, defend and what you're willing to, you know, call your own. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think for a large population of people, they feel like the parenting of their child and their education of their child aren't, 
two separate things. And so they see that as part of the maintaining the parenting of their child, which I think is why we see a lot of this political angst right now with what's being taught in schools and what's not being taught in schools. But more than that, I, I see this kind of disappointing other side where parents say, I can't homeschool my child because my child won't listen to me. I can't homeschool my child because I could never just tell my child what to do all day long, or I wouldn't be okay if he wouldn't listen to me and now all of a sudden I'm responsible. And that makes me kind of sad because homeschooling will not fix a parenting issue um, that already exists, but neither will sending a child to be educated by somebody else. And so I would ask that parents, if they do have, you know, parenting issues, that they don't look to the school to solve that for them but that they also realize homeschooling isn't going to fix that either. That's, you know, parenting issues, family dynamics, those all need to be addressed one way or another. But I think with homeschooling, it's harder to look the other way because you have to see it every day. Oh, absolutely. And I I mean, I would imagine, do you have a story of when a teenager is going through their angsty anti-parent phase, how do you deal with that when um, they don't get to just shut the door and go to school? They have to um, flip you the bird and then turn around and also go to their lesson plan. What what stories do you have or anecdotes about the angsty period of a 14-year-old girl or a 15-year-old boy? Well, right now we have all boys, um, age eight, almost 18, all the way down to seven. And so it, it gets pretty, um, I don't know, it's a, angsty isn't even the word. It's just, there's this tension sometimes. But we're also seven people in a 1,300 square foot home with one bathroom. And so every issue gets resolved by the time that person needs to use the bathroom, because you have to literally stand in line in our little tiny hallway, <laughs> look your brother in the eye and realize we're all human and we're all waiting for the bathroom. So in some ways, you know, being really close and almost on top of each other at times, you can't let things fester because it's just too much. Right. So our kids have kind of had to learn like with marriage where my husband and I, Don't sleep on the couch out of anger. Um, It's just a rule that we have. Um, The kids have to kind of, in their own sense, not sleep on the couch. Like they have to just look their brother in the eye or their parent in the eye and be like, I might not be happy with this. I'm still going to kind of simmer a little, but I can't act out because we all have to live here and this has to be good for everybody. And they mature quicker, I think, in that that environment because I don't know what else they can do. Yeah, it's... uh... Conflict resolution, I would imagine uh, they're getting their own uh, familial education and conflict resolution. So so you've written this book. It's for people who've already decided to take the leap to homeschool their child. And you've you've got a whole book of hacks. Give give me one or two hacks that you think is is particularly creative uh, of yours um, that that's unique to the book. So um my husband, ever since we were married, he has read to the children every night for 15 minutes minimum. Every night, never failed. When we go travel, he'd call from hotel rooms. And we read these amazing books that are should be probably in every family's library. And a lot of them are books that are kind of on the reading list, right? If you look at the reading list for homeschool, it can be very overwhelming. 
But if you tackle these books 15 minutes at a time every night, reading to the children, even at a very young age, not only do you start crossing these books of, you know, the Western canon or maybe something that's very treasured by your family or your 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 heritage or your history, and you just you knock them out one by one, three, four, five, six a year, and you develop these like amazing family memories. And what kids do is they develop like a pleasant association with reading that's very different from kind of the we're going to sit down and painstakingly go through phonetics and force you to like <laughs> read these Dick and Jane books that are like very dry um, by hearing the words and, and developing kind of these fuzzy feelings with the literature with people that you love and trust. It overcomes so many issues later, even if they're a struggling reader. We found it to be probably one of the best things we've ever done for our homeschool, and it is something everybody can do. You know, instead of watching a YouTube video that you don't need to watch 15 minutes, read to your kids. It, it is actually the most beneficial education you can give them. Wow. I think it's wonderful how you've been able to blend family and education, and it seems that the bonds within your family must be extremely strong. Um, it, what an amazing adventure that you and your husband have found. I don't know how you do it, 1,300 square feet. You're a mother of six. You're a wife. Um, sounds like you're a gardener. Sounds like you do it all, Lindsay. Um, I, I really thank you for bringing your story um, and explaining a little bit more. Um, if I had any other questions, it would be—all of my questions— I, I'm. I'm I'm very analytical and logical in my brain and I and I think about the taxes and and before this interview we we kind of chatted via email and I think the answer to this question is it's different in each jurisdiction where you know I pay a large amount of taxes based on my property taxes that go to the school and my question to you in the beginning was if I decided to homeschool would those taxes come back to me and follow the child and and I, do, I don't want you to answer that because I would imagine it's different in each jurisdiction. But is this is this this push that we hear in politics where they're talking about money following the child? Does it have to do um, with the property taxes and the money going to education versus going into the pockets of the parents that decide to homeschool or going to a private charter school if somebody decides they want their kid to go there? Can you can you give us any insights on the politics of of what we hear these these issues of charter schools and money following the kids? Sure. Well, it is a obviously a, a very long, drawn-out topic, but, you know, you get two two or three sources of revenue. You get your, you know, for our county, property taxes go to our school. Also, there's taxes coming down from the federal government for different grants and programs as well. And how those funds are allocated are obviously very dependent um, on state laws and state constitutions. Uh, but I hear a lot of people say, if I'm going to homeschool, I don't want to pay these taxes. Well, you're a libertarian. Most of my libertarian friends don't want to pay taxes anyway. So that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, not like I'm expecting a huge return on my investment there. Um, <laughs> taxes are just kind of one of those things that uh, are, are out of my, my ability to change. But I see the, the threat less of taxes following the students and taking away from the schools and more that, 
right now, if like in my community, there's one school, just one. Um, all the tax money goes to that school. And if you leave the school, you don't get access to any of the programs. We don't even have it where you can play sports at the public school. Um, we get nothing. And so when I made the decision, however long ago to homeschool, I knew that I would be paying in between two and three thousand dollars a year and would see nothing. Am I mad about it? I'll be honest. No, um, because I pay a lot of taxes for things that I don't think I see any return on. <laughs> and if I had to pay ten thousand dollars in taxes to know that my children are secure and I have the ability to influence them with what we think is important and beautiful and good, um, I would probably do it. I don't love it, but I think with the charter school thing and all all that that's going on, I, I don't know that that's really the argument so much as it is to kind of scare people with the, if we get money coming from public schools, what are we get, what are the children going to do? Um, the, the schools have had money issues for a really long time. And I don't think charter schools are going to be the thing <laughs> that are going to make or break it. But it sure makes for good politics, doesn't it? Yes, yes. The the constant arguing back and forth and the uh, constant quagmire that's the result. All right, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you get back to uh, probably one of the kids that needs uh, a question answered uh, or perhaps helping your husband on a project. I've got every link um, to Lindsay's uh, book and her website in the show notes. And Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate getting a chance to just kind of tell you how, how it looks at our house. So thank you. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoke and lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.